Welcome to another exciting edition of the Dr. Funk Podcast. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. Hello everyone, welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, checking us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much. Today we have a very, very special guest. A guitar player for Justin Timberlake's band, the Tennessee Kids. Also, guitar player with Prince's most successful MPG band on the Musicology Tour, his most successful tour. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one, the only, Mike Scott. <laughs> hey, Dr. Fogginberry, how's everything? All right, Mike, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Just uh, it's been a long week. Um, we've been... Working hard over here, rehearsing uh, for the last month. You know, getting getting ready for the Super Bowl tomorrow. Right. So the big day is tomorrow, and it's been a long, a long uphill climb to get here. <laughs> a long uphill climb, and you guys have been able to practice for the past month without a lot of drama. You've been able to practice for the past week in Minnesota without a lot of drama, and of course today. It's been trending on Twitter. There's a lot of rumors going on. I know that you cannot talk specifics about the Super Bowl performance and what's going to be played, correct? Uh, that's correct. There's just one question and one question only. <laughs> and that's and what might that be? Is there or is there not going to be a Prince hologram? during the Super Bowl performance? There is no hologram. All right. No hologram. Everyone heard him say it, right? There we go. All right. There we go. Are you, because you've played for a lot of people, but you ever played for almost 100,000 in a stadium and having millions and millions of people watch worldwide before? Um, yeah, Justin, uh, we just did rock in Rio mm -hmm. last year and, uh, that, that went out, um, they had a, a very, very large crowd and it aired all over, it aired all over, you know, uh, the world. And, uh, that was a highly watched, highly televised event. And we've done several other events that have had, uh, just millions of people watching us. So this is not, uh, you know, this isn't my first time. You know, rodeo. at the yeah, my first rodeo. I was gonna say my first football game, <laughs> my first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that size crowd is uh, you know, has been uh, in my career for a while, even back in the Prince days. You know, right? How is that energy of a stadium that huge compared to sometimes some of these after shows that you've done with Prince in a small venue and with Justin? Well, um. Uh, I don't know, man. I've been doing this so long. Uh -huh. Um, I just uh, and and we have in ears in on stage, so we don't really hear all the screaming. We have to wear the in ears over the screaming females at Justin's concerts, and uh, <laughs> you know, um, so the energy the energy is just great. You can see the audience just losing their minds, and uh, even when I was with Prince, I used to always tell the band, I said, "Man, if we were up here naked and on fire." The audience would notice for at least the first hour. 
they wouldn't even notice that we were on fire because all eyes are on Prince, all eyes are on Justin, you know. They're watching right. his every move. Um, so the the energy, you know, the energy level is great, though. Justin's a great performer. The, the Super Bowl is going to be amazing. Trust me. We are all looking forward to it, especially now with you saying there's no hologram. So we're looking That's forward what to think. it even more now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mean, it was a prop bet, as we talked about off air. It's a prop bet that Prince, excuse me, that Justin is supposed to do a Prince song, or will he or won't he? And like we talked about, Justin's in a really bad spot because you're in yeah. Prince's hometown. If you yeah. don't pay tribute to him, you're going to get slammed. If you yeah. do pay tribute to him, you're going to get slammed. So he's in a bad position right now. I don't want to be in the position he's in. Well, <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think most people would want to be in a between a, a rock and a hard place like that. But it's going to Justin's going to put on an amazing performance. He's a uh, he's one of the hardest working artists I've ever worked with, and he he's uh, his shows are always just perfection. So whatever is going to happen tomorrow, everyone's going to be happy. That's all I will say, and uh, that's all I can say. And everybody's no gonna be at the end needed. of the day everybody's gonna be happy <laughs> everyone will be happy and no hologram needed there you go, there go. I, I did i did say there was no hologram right just reiterating it yeah. now when did you start playing with prince 96 97 96 i got with prince emancipation era jam of the year yes exactly emancipation i um i moved to minneapolis in 92 and uh started working my way up the 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 music chain in the city you know playing i tried to play with every band that was here and um uh, uh got with the eventually got with the sounds of blackness which led me to to become the house uh session guitars for jimmy jam and terry lewis and man they were making hits back then you know in the 90s uh i was going in there almost every day recording for everybody playing guitar on everybody's records janet you know lionel uh, Destiny Shaw, everybody. And then um, I also played in a band with Prince's then drummer, uh, Kirk Johnson. And he invited me uh, He invited me over to jam one day with Prince. And, uh, I, I, you know, the rest is history. That must have been now, crazy and fun and so much other stuff. Even during that era where he was a man with no name. Yeah, yeah. You had pretty much... Uh, catch him he, he'd had to you'd had to catch his attention as he was turning your way because he would not answer to prince or anything <laughs> so you had to wait till he's kind of looking at you <laughs> and then you say you say what you got to say to him because if he was walking away from him and you said prince he just kept walking <laughs> and we didn't have he didn't have a name we couldn't we couldn't when he had the symbol we couldn't call him anything we were just like sir and boss you know that is so crazy because you hear those stories about Sir and Boss. For real, he was doing it. And that would just suck. Yeah. You know, I know some people, they'd be like, Print and then Sir. You know, yeah. Know he, would, he would not answer to Prince. Remember, he went on, um, what was that, Rosie O'Donnell? He went on and she kept calling him Taff Cap, uh, which was, the, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince. And he got, he got so angry at her. I mean, we, you know? he got him walked off the show. I mean, and kept telling her, like, if you, because she kept trying to call him Taffy, because Madonna yeah. was telling her to call him Taffy. 
And then, yeah. oh, it's a cute nickname. And he's like, you know what Taffy rhymes with? And she's like, what? And he's like, you say it one more time. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was upset. And then she accidentally called him Prince. And he was like, that's a lot better than Taffy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Rosie and that, it was a little bit of disrespect. And Prince didn't yeah. like it just because I think like the following, and a few years later, she hosted the Grammys and she was telling people not to thank God, that God's got better things to do than look out for you to get an award. So Prince made sure when he did the Soul Train Awards later that year to have the audience stand up when he got Artist of the Decade. And like yeah. there are many blessed people. That's why we thank God when we win awards is because we want to show our blessings. Yeah. I never understood why Rosie went out like that. She always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It even with, Clearly rubbed him the wrong way as, as well. <laughs> right? I mean, the reason he agreed to do her show is when he did the Today Show for Dinner with Dolores and Zana Lee to promote Chaos and Disorder, she was bugging him to do the show, and he's like, let's do it for the next album. This was a contractual obligation. I had to do Letterman in the Today Show. I'll do your show. Because you asked me personally. That's why he did it. Out of respect. Because she asked him to his face. But that performance didn't even go well. And we knew it wasn't going to go well. Because she didn't even know the difference between Get Off and Cream. She thought they were the same song. Wow. <laughs> that, that tells you something. Yeah. And then on top of the make, make it all worse. She was shooting those little rubber those rubber things at him. <laughs> and he was trying. But he never did that before. It's like yeah. Prince picking up a golf club. I know he's good at ping pong, but I don't think the brother knew how to play golf. You know? Oh man, ping pong, basketball, and uh, pool. You didn't want to step near a pool table with that man. Nah, he looked like he can ace it. I know he yeah. likes him some Tiger Woods, but I know he should, probably sure wasn't good at golf. But on a basketball court, I played him a ping pong and got my butt whipped. But <laughs> it was embarrassing. But the yeah. pool thing, the pool thing probably would have been a little bit more fun because you, you think you have a shot with the ping pong. Oh no, he, he, no, you don't. You, don't you can't get it anything. No, you don't stand a chance. Now, is there stuff that Justin does like that with you guys when you're like or between, uh, out on the road performing or even in the studio where you're like playing ping pong or anything like that? Do you have a better shot beating Justin? Uh, no, we we actually have never had an opportunity to do that because uh, Justin's camp. When we're not rehearsing or working, we're touring. So, right. and uh, like I said, he's he's one of the hardest working artists I've ever worked for, and he's just uh, he sets the bar so high. And uh, you know, but when we have off days, the band does go out and hang with him. We go do stuff, but we don't we don't um, we've never played. Well, I've never played ping pong with him. I right. I do remember there was a there was we were somewhere and they had ping pong tables, but uh, I've never played personally myself with him. But um, the band hangs out a lot. We do a lot of things like when we were in Australia, we went to uh, Steve Irwin's place, and when we were in Dubai, we all went on uh, you know camel rides and uh, uh, we rode jeeps through the desert, and uh, it was all pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, he does stuff like that with us. That's cool. So it sounds like 
just because of that. You get a little bit more sleep than you would than when you were traveling and touring with Prince. Yeah, I, most definitely, because Prince would call us at 2 in the morning, or, or somebody would call and say, man, uh, Prince wants to go to a movie. Be there in a half hour. You'd be in bed sleep. <laughs> and we had to get up to go to a movie. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once I remember we were rehearsing for something and Maite had to walk up to him and tell him, you know, he had a mic in front of him and she whispered, she said, baby, let the band go. It's almost seven in the morning. He said, oh, what, time, what time is it? It's almost 7 a.m. He had no idea. We had been rehearsing all night. Wow. And he just had, he just didn't even, you know, care about the time. He just wanted to work. So, uh, you know. Prince is a uh, Prince was one of the most amazing musicians that uh, God to ever grace us with, and anybody who came through his camp, uh, you definitely left there a much better musician than when you arrived because he he pushed you to limits that you weren't aware that you even were capable of, right. and uh, that's that's the thing I love the most about working with him. Uh, you know, uh, his 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 performance differs from Justin's because we Justin has a uh, we have a routine that's also uh, has choreography and lighting, and it's all got to be the same. Whereas Prince would deviate, and we would never know what song he was going to call. We, you know, sometimes he would get away from the set list and just go into something completely different, and uh, it just made you you had to be on point every night. No room for mistakes. You you you've been around him long enough. There was no mistakes in this man. You didn't uh, you didn't make mistakes. <laughs> or you got that look. And you did not you, want to get that look no, from him. You didn't want to get those. You didn't want to get those fingers rubbing together. <laughs> he held, yeah. If he if he rubbed, he held his hand up and rubbed those fingers together. You knew you just got fined at least a thousand bucks. <laughs> wow, uh, thousand dollars. I need my money. <laughs> <laughs> he fined me once uh, for something. I I don't know. I made a mistake on something. I told him. I said, you will never find me again. And I was telling him I'm never going to make another mistake again. And yeah, that's that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like Paisley Park is kind of like Las Vegas because there there's no clocks in there. So you don't know what time it is. And I think he would do that on purpose so he can get you guys to say till seven o'clock in the morning jamming. <laughs> yeah, well, he was definitely a workaholic, man. I don't know when that guy would sleep sometimes, but uh, he he uh, just loved to be in the studio recording or rehearsing with the band or just jamming. That's all he ever, ever, ever wanted to do. Yeah. Now, have you been back to Paisley Park since that day in April two years ago? Um. Yeah, Justin just had a listening party for his new record, Man of the Woods. Uh, he had a listening party at Paisley um, on Thursday. And you were there at that? Yes, I was there at that. But th it was only in the back part of Paisley. They, you know, the the rest of the building that they've uh, turned into what I've heard is like a museum or something. Right. Um, we weren't allowed in that area. They just, so, uh, it was a private party. So you just did, you just eased a lot of fans that were worried about alcohol being at Paisley being served. And I kept saying it was only to be in the soundstage area only in the back. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yes, it was only in the soundstage. 
Um, and they didn't let anybody, they didn't let any of the party go to the rest of the building. They had that whole, they had that big wall up that separates the sound stage. So everybody was just in that one area. You know how they, he used to have those love for one another concerts in the back. The, yes. Everybody came in through that way. And that's as far as we could go was that back area. Well, thank you for clarifying that because people have been tripping on that too. Oh, are they? <laughs> I'm telling you. Prince fans are turning to what Michael Jackson fans were since he passed and a little bit before he died, how protective they are of him. That's how yeah. they are now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, I, everybody, we all love him. We love him. So I, I mean, I get it, but the fans can be a little, uh, they can overreact a little bit sometimes. But no, there was no alcohol being spilled throughout the building. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Got that sound stage area. If there's anything on the carpet, someone better clean it up quick. <laughs> uh, now, yeah. are you, I mean, you live in Minnesota, right? Well, uh, when I moved here in 92, uh, stayed here till about 2004, maybe. And then I moved to, uh, to New Jersey with my wife, uh, Rachel, and uh, I live in New Jersey now. Okay, because I was going to say, how do you handle these brutal winters? And this week, everyone performing outside, and you guys are lucky and warm and toasty in the stadium, hopefully. But well, I, I can't deal with that. Yeah, a lot of people, you, you're in a, you're on, on, on the West Coast, right? L.A., yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, um, a lot of people, all my friends from L.A. can't take this cold, but I lived here for 19 years, right. and I love the weather here. I love it because I'm, I'm hot all the time. So the, the, cool, the coolness of Minneapolis is just is, uh, is very comfortable for me. I love it. Just I prefer, the, I prefer the cold than hot. I think it was like close to zero degrees today in Minnesota, and today in L.A., it was 88. So we're yeah. 88 <laughs> degrees warmer than you guys were. Just saying. Yeah, people, people were texting me saying how cold, how warm it was in L.A. <laughs> like it's 80 degrees here, man. I hear it's like three degrees there. Like, yep. Right. But uh, I actually, uh, I miss Minnesota. Um, you know, like I said, I lived here for for almost 19 years, and I miss it. I actually miss it. There, There's an energy there. Even in the yeah. short times that I've been there, I don't know if it's Justin Chanhassen or what, or if it's just being around him or whatever, but I feel more creative there. There's just something I just cannot describe. I need less sleep when I'm there too, which is interesting. So, Well, you know, just the, just the, when I lived here and uh, people would come here to visit just the, the, excitement in the air of thinking you may look over at a light or you might be at a club and Prince is right there. You know, that that's, that's kind of exciting when you would come here. Cause he used to hang out at bunkers a lot. And, uh, you know, then he started doing the Jehovah's witness thing and he was actually going around knocking on doors and doing Bible studies. And, uh, you know, you just could run into him anywhere. So that, that, that to me, that's the most exciting thing about Minnesota is that, you just might look over and he's just sitting right there, you know, <laughs> or he might be at a light sitting in his car, you know, that's, but, uh, 
that's something that's what i was telling you earlier i, I didn't mean to cut you off i was just no. saying uh it's like uh when i came here the last time i came here um the, i was uh rehearsing with npg and it just felt it just felt uh this was last year we did a npg did a european tour and it just felt like something was missing like there was a hole in the sky or something you know as uh the plane was landing and i got off the plane it just didn't feel the same it's like the city had lost its shine you know because prince was gone um if that makes any sense at all it does now the interesting yeah. thing like you talked about uh being a jehovah witness would you guys get into religion because that's one thing that we never talked about and i'm kind of glad that we didn't you know No, oh, I'm sorry. On that one? No, no, no. I was just, uh, I was actually reading a text. I shouldn't have been. But uh, could you repeat that, please? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you guys ever talked about religion or whatnot, or if he was trying to uh, make you become a Jehovah Witness or whatnot. Well, um, I actually used to study uh, with Jehovah's Witnesses when I was a younger fellow in my teens. And. Uh, when Larry Graham got in the band, um, he knew that I used to study. And so we we all started studying together. Me, him, Prince, Manuela, uh, we used to have Bible study together. And uh, I would go in and study with Prince. Sometimes I'd go study with Graham. Uh, but uh, most of the time it would just be me and Prince and he would uh, we would we would go over scriptures. We were studying scriptures and. It was interesting. And then I, I would go to the Kingdom Hall with him, Larry, him, Graham, Tina Graham, uh, Manuela, um, and my girlfriend at the time. We would all go to the Kingdom Hall in Chan uh, Chaska, and we would um, hang out, and then we'd go have dinner after that, and then we'd go have Bible study later that evening. So um, he didn't really try to push it on the band, but uh, he did want you to believe in his beliefs. Um, so there was a time where most of the band was going to the kingdom hall, but he didn't, like I said, he didn't, he didn't force anyone. Right. That's cool. Thanks for asking, yeah. answering that. That's just, yeah. I've always been curious about with that. Yeah. You know? And I just, I guess because I had had a past experience with, um, um, Jehovah's witnesses, it wasn't new to me or it wasn't. It didn't feel weird, so I didn't mind studying with him and Larry and going to the Kingdom Hall and and doing all those things because I, I had already been doing it when I was younger. Yeah, just, yeah, it's really cool. And like I remember the first time I saw you perform with him was probably one of his shortest shows, at least in Los Angeles, nineteen ninety six at the Hollywood Bowl, where Larry Graham played longer than him. But it's because. Prince sometimes, you know, he'll pay the curfew and play over. But the Hollywood Bowl had none of that. You can't do that to this day. You got to be done by 11, and that's it, or you're done. And that's one of the shortest sets. It was a very disappointing show, only because of how short it was. And it was probably one of the windiest nights that it was all year. And we're an outdoor venue. And even Prince was saying it's colder than a witch's titty out here. Yeah, <laughs> but 
Two years later, not only did you guys play for a lot longer at the next night at Irvine Meadows for over three and a half hours and had Sugar Blue on stage and a little dedication to Sheila E. Yeah, I remember that. It was a good show. It, yeah. I was a little bit more prepared. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt bad because my friend, a female, she wore a short, short skirt dress, you know, what the Prince girls at the time would dress like and not expecting it to be like 44 degrees in L.A., you know. <laughs> but everyone yeah. knows we're a little bit more prepared. I went with my boy and we enjoyed the show. 1998, though, day after yeah. you guys did Come On on Leno, you guys did The Key Club. And that to this day, that's one of my favorite shows. Um, I was expecting him because the beat for one of us came on, but he was using the Love Thy Will Be Done beat. So I wasn't expecting you guys to actually do Love Thy Will Be Done. You know, yeah. so that blew me away. <laughs> you guys playing Mad Sex blew me away. And yeah. Come On the Remix, which we just heard on Leno the night before, but which we didn't own yet, also blew me away. So went from seeing you guys in 96 at the Hollywood Bowl with that show, and he was he was pissed. I mean, when we, <laughs> he was avoiding L.A. after that Key Club show. Like, yeah. 2001, or, or yeah, it was 2001, when he had the MPG Music Club and he did a Q&A in, in the Bay Area. Someone from L.A. said, why no love for L.A.? He's like, we try to play your places, and you're closing us down by 11 p.m., that's just when things are getting good. That's when, yeah, it's just when it's getting hot. <laughs> but that that key club show, amazing. I think there was maybe like five hundred of us in there, maybe squeezed in like sardines. But <laughs> you know, we talk about these shows where you're playing rock and Rio, you're going to be playing the Super Bowl. But some of these gigs that you guys would play at venues like that just blew my mind. And you guys did yeah. that, and. That's when Prince supposedly was struggling. He may not have been selling records like he used to, but wherever you guys played, whether it was the Key Club, whether it was the Phoenix Arena, you guys sold out the place and in a short amount of time. So I'm sure you weren't so surprised how, and being a part of it, how successful the Musicology Tour turned out to be, which was the most successful of his career. You know? Yeah. And yeah, you in that red suit, what ganging you in, cooling the gang, that whole thing. How did that just come about? Was that like <laughs> something during rehearsal that you guys came up with, or? Well, yeah, he. Uh, how did that come out? He he would always make this joke that I look like a pimp or uh, with some gang or something. When I I would do this little guitar part in that. Uh, was that one one song? What was that song? Oh crap. Anyway, it was that section with the part you just mentioned. Right. Um, and one day he he pulled up my pants leg and to see that I had matching socks on to match my suit. So he had uh, he asked the wardrobe lady to give me a pair of socks that matched all my clothes, so we could just add that in as a routine. So we would do that every night. He would come home and say, "What's this? There's a pimp on my stage? You know, you got like a gangster, you know, a pimp or something." How many children you got? And, uh, he would say all this crap. And then he would pull up my pants and he'd be like, oh, Lord, he got matching socks on and matching suit. <laughs> so it was a little routine. It just kind of stuck. 
And uh, then we would start doing this dance step together. Uh, man, what is that song? I can't. Uh, I say DMSR, but it's not because that would be uh, earlier in the set. It it was uh it was that dance music sex role man that's exactly what it was. All right, that's See, exactly what it was. I saw the March 29th show, which was the kickoff show. Although you guys had two, uh, quote unquote, practice states in Reno, but so we didn't get that little DMSR till the middle of the tour when you guys came back. We had the cool in the gang line. So DMSR at the LA show was earlier in the set, but by the middle of the tour, it was in the middle, and he would, you guys would groove on that for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Now, that's that's when well, I'm gonna have, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you play for a minute. Get that groove on. Key. Right. He gave you that look right now. <laughs> That's it. Funky. That was the one. That was the one. Yeah. Dance, music, sex, romance. Yeah, man. Right. Well, you remember a lot. <laughs> you remember some stuff I forgot about. I try to remember everything when it comes to Prince, when it comes to Justin. I try to just be the musicologist. In the true sense of the word, but thank you. For I that. heard that. Now, I heard that. On the musicology tour, you had the pleasure, and he also became a band member in Justin's band, playing with the master John Blackwell. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. tell me about some of those experiences. Like we miss John and Grammys. I'm so upset at you. For in the memoriam section last week, not having John in there, unforgivable. But yeah, we remember you, brother. Yeah, no, that is crazy. I, I man, me and John, me and John were thick as thieves, man. He, um, I have so many stories I could tell you about John. We played with, um, let's see, somewhere in there before we got with friend. Was it before? John and I used to play with this, um, um. Japanese artist named Hikaru Utada, and she was like one of the biggest artists in Japan. And her, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, did a a single on her, and it sold like a million copies the first day it came out. So when John and I got with her, she was she started out just doing stadiums. She was like seventeen or eighteen years old, and she was amazingly huge in Japan. And here's a here's a tip that a lot of people don't know. Um, John was in um, he was with Justin before I was. He actually got me the gig because hmm. uh, uh, Prince. What had happened then? Who was playing drums with Prince then? Corey. He took a hiatus. Was it Kirk back in there when John was with with Justin? Cora, Cora Dunham, who's oh, with Beyonce. Right, right, right. Cora, Cora, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. John and I got John had the gig with Justin. Um, he called me on a Friday and said, Justin is going to be auditioning guitar players next week. I flew out on Monday because the audition was on Friday and I stayed at the, I kept coming to the rehearsal every day 
And then Justin finally said, who is this guy? And the MD, who's Kevin Antunes at the time, he said he's here to audition on Friday for guitar. And Justin's like, well, he's here today. Let him audition now. And I auditioned on Wednesday, and they canceled the freaking auditions. And, boy, there was a lot of people trying to get that gig. Uh, the MD told me, he said, man, you just made a lot of people mad, boy. Because <laughs> a lot of people wanted this gig. So uh, John and I, um, we used to, man, we used to play with a lot of different people together. Um, and we would do a lot of stuff, you know, uh, on the side of Prince and Justin. We would play with, uh, you know, other bands that we had put together. John was an amazing person, an amazing drummer. And man, I, I I think I took his his death on like harder, even harder. I don't know, cause me me and him are like brothers, man. That dude was, I guess it's just the Prince had just passed, and then losing John too, it just kind of knocked me off my feet, you know. That year was difficult. There was like yeah. a few people I knew that passed away, and it just, you know. You can't, you can't believe it. You're like, not John, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in contact with his wife um, constantly, and I would call him to talk to him whenever I could. And man, he just, he wasn't getting better. He he wasn't getting worse, but he wasn't getting better. And then she, she, each time I would talk to her, she would say something. They did this, but he's having a reaction to that. And now this has happened. So then there was uh, just a downward spiral uh, very quickly. Sad thing, man. Sad thing. You know, to be the most amazing drummer in the world, one of the most amazing drummers in the world, and to just lose lose that uh, superpower, you know. You just, one day you just can't do it anymore. You know, and if John couldn't play, he was going to be miserable. Because that's, that's, he... That's what he loved the most out of the world, you know, out of life. You know, he loved his family. He loved his wife, but he loved playing drums. And that that made him like Superman. So to lose that, I can't even imagine. He would, you know, he would have been miserable if, you know, if I'm saying if he did get well and he couldn't play anymore, he might as well. He would have said to himself, I'd rather be dead, you know, than not be able to play. I understand so, what you're saying. Totally. You yeah. Know, it's in your blood. And then you're told yeah. not, you can't do it no more. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Nah. And then, nah. speaking of Prince's passing, like, where were you when you heard it? And and speaking of Prince, where were were you when you heard that he passed? And how did you take it? I mean, we we're all surprised, obviously, but. Yeah, I was, uh, where was I? I was, uh, at home. Uh, yeah, and my phone just started blowing up because all these people were texting me and calling me to say that they just announced on the news that Prince had passed. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? I turned the TV on and sure enough. And, uh, so I was at home and it was just, it just knocked the wind out of me, you know, but especially since he had just ran into that, you know, he had that situation on that Sunday and then, you know what, he was dead again. He was dead five days, four days later or whatever. I just, it was just overwhelming. I was like, just in disbelief, you know, the same as when Michael passed, I just, you know, I couldn't even believe it. 
I auditioned for that gig uh, too for do to do that. This is it. They narrowed it down to five guitar players. I was one of the five. And I thought I had the gig and the dude to audition two guys after me kicked my ass and uh, he got the gig. <laughs> so, and uh, you see how that turned out anyway. So I guess it was, uh, right. I guess it, it was the way the universe you know, already had planned it, you know. But uh, yeah, it just did knock me off my feet, man. I couldn't believe it. I'm still in disbelief. I'm still uh, in disbelief. Uh, you know, and going out with the, uh, I've been doing gigs with uh, Paul Peterson in the, you know, under his uh, the new name, not the family. Uh, he had uh, it wasn't it was kind of F Deluxe too, but he was calling it the Minneapolis All Stars. And we yeah we did a uh, we did an amazing tribute to Prince, and uh, that was really 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 fun, and everybody really loved it really well. Uh, it was we we did Australia and Hawaii. It's just a uh one week two week gig but then uh mpg went out in tribute last year man and i swear i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't keep my eyes from crying at every show each each night we got to purple rain it's just you just kind of just lost it you know right so yeah it's still powerful man yeah, yeah, and especially to play with the MPG, you know, they it's not like you're playing with some band in, at Bunkers. You're no. playing with the actual cats that actually recorded this stuff. So it, it's just uh Did you come to the the tribute they had at the here after you passed? Were you at I'm sure you were here, weren't you? I was not there, but I did see them perform at Paisley last April. And okay. It was amazing and what they do with Purple Rain, man. Oh Lord! Yeah, yeah, it gets you. It does get you. It, it really does get you. Um, so, where were you at when you heard of his passing? Uh, I was at home, and I got a text from someone that was worried about him because they usually talk with him every Thursday morning, and he wasn't picking up. And then. Um, I started hearing about that there was some something going on in Paisley. So I asked uh, someone that I knew that lived close there named Heidi how far she was away on her bike. She would ride her bike every morning. And she said probably about 20 minutes away. I'm like, can you check something? Can you go by Paisley right now and let me know if you see anything going on over there? And she was there within 10 minutes, and then she took a photo and sent it to me of paramedics inside Paisley. And then um, I called his lawyer, Phaedra, because I was just out at Paisley the weekend before because he wanted to throw a party to let everyone know he's all right. So um, I contacted Phaedra because I was the last person I was in contact and I go, what's going on at Paisley? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, uh, apparently there's some paramedics there and there may be a dead body. And she's like, what? And she's like, let me give you a call back. And literally, while I'm hanging up with her, TMZ is calling me. And it's Harvey, um, Harvey Levin. And he's like, uh, Jeremiah. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh, we hear there's a dead body at Paisley, and we hear it's Prince's. And I'm like, wow. 
And he's like, we're going to go live with this story in 10 minutes, whether you confirm it or not. We just want to confirm with you. And, you know, I have all these people blowing me up on social media asking. And I've broken stories over the years for Prince. I did not care to break this. And I called yeah. Phaedra back, and her line was busy. So whoever she was talking to, she was still on the phone with. And then I called her again, waited maybe about a minute. And she sent it straight to voicemail. And that's that confirmed it. So that confirmed he said it. He, he was dead. I was, I was one of the only people that knew first that he passed. And I did not give a damn until his publicist made the announcement. Uh, I just sat by my computer, sat by my phone as it kept blowing up and blowing up. And just I wouldn't respond. And... Um, when the publicist made the announcement, I put it out there, but I was in shock and then just asked to do interviews and other stuff. And I just was because I was afraid you're going to have these uh, parasites who didn't know him uh, giving these interviews and saying stuff that they shouldn't be saying. But that was yeah. a, a tough day. I don't, a tough, tough year. I got to say. Yeah. One, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the one thing I didn't want to break. And then, I feel bad because there I was the weekend before and he's trying to convince us that everything is great and everything is good. And, you know, my friend Christina was like, he's not looking good. I don't know. I mean, it was 85 degrees in April and he was wearing his leather jacket at midnight. Maybe it's to show that he was not show that he was a little bit skinnier than what he was at the yeah. time. I mean, with the fro kind of hides it. I don't know. I just, I feel bad, you know? And yeah, I, I just, yeah. when it happened and it just, I just like was laying, I was just there. I just saw him. Wow. And it was tough, man. I mean, like, I know he wanted me there to say everything was cool. And that's when he said, wait a few days. When you hear stuff like that, wait a few days, say your prayers. Like, yeah, he walked out of the studios literally probably around 1201. And we locked eyes. I nodded my head like I'm here. And then he was on the stage within 30 seconds, and Kirk was was running to follow him. So, wow, craziness. I mean, you know, we hear about what happened on the plane, and then more info on that Monday that he had to have a save shot. This is like stuff when I was there on Saturday. I had no idea about. Oh, yeah, no idea. No, nah, the only. The only thing that gave up something was wrong is I saw Kirk there and I saw his new assistant Marone and they had no idea he flew me out that he asked me to come and you know usually Prince makes sure everyone's aware of stuff but they were so busy doing other stuff they didn't know so they didn't know yeah. that's when I kind of freaked out a little bit <laughs> wow and you know but I didn't I didn't think you know what happened on 421 was going to happen you know and this thing that oh that he was done he's done everything he needs to do no he didn't he just needed he said that to keep challenging himself just like he said the musicology tour afford the luxury to never do another tour like that again he can pick and choose his own dates yeah know? yeah but he was just challenging himself that's how i took it he had a lot more to give us he had a lot more people to piss off <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, and he had, he had a lot more 
good music to write and a lot more musicians to um you know turn into better musicians right you know like like third yeah third eye girl they you know they 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 came in and they were they were good musicians but when he got done with them they were pretty amazing oh for sure your first tv appearance on fallon i mean to kind of make your debut on that show and i watch it now i'm like ooh, they were a little rough but man less than a year they were tight as can be yeah rocking montreux they were doing everything you know yeah he he whipped them girls into shape (laughs) for real i mean they as you said they were good and became great and i told donna like there's times when i'm listening to you on records that i shouldn't have but i can't tell Who's playing guitar, whether it's you or him? And I'm going to go, I know probably to her that wasn't a huge compliment, but. But yeah, that's a compliment. Like Prince. <laughs> yeah. You know? Now, speaking of which, someone, I had musicians ask me questions to ask you. And they want to know who was your favorite, and I don't know, using this term, but side guitarist, maybe, maybe not rhythm guitarist, but side guitarist. Who was your favorite Prince side guitarist? Wendy, Dez, Miko, Levi? Oh, um, I love them. I love them all. No, it's not that tough. I love them all. They're all great players. Uh, I met Dez once. We uh, jammed together. Dez is a beast. Wendy's a beast. Um, But uh, Miko, I've actually never met Miko. We never met. Uh, But I'm telling you, the dude to me is freaking Levi Cesar, man. That dude's the funkiest dude on the planet. Right. Levi is a... uh, He's just a really good, he's a great pocket, clean, funky guitarist. And I know why Prince loved his playing so much. Right. That Sign yeah. of the Times band. Yeah. Quickly yeah. became a favorite. And then the tightness of Sexy MF and his solo, man, for that alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Another question we had from a musician. Does Mike still own and play his orange Gretsch Jet guitar he played on the Musicology tour? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't play that guitar anymore. I um, actually play Paul Reed Smith uh, hollow body acoustics. Um, and the reason I use those guitars is because it has an acoustic and an electric guitar output, so I can run both sounds at the same time on top of each other. And when I came, um, when I came, you know, Prince and I went our separate ways a few times. My mother was dying of cancer. And I couldn't go back out with them. I think that was, uh, what year was, mm, I hate to say this. What year was, no, I can't say it. Um, my mom was dying and I couldn't go back on tour with them. So he had to do the tour without me. And it, I didn't get back in the band till maybe, uh, 99, 2000, something like that. <clears throat> and I wasn't playing Gretsch anymore. I was playing this Paul Reed Smith. He liked the sound of that. And then I left the band for a while again came back um and he was playing vox guitars um recently went before he died he was playing vox and he asked me to also play vox as well so i started playing vox and justin went out and did a future sex tour um maybe four years ago five years ago and that was the last time i worked with prince because we were working he was working with andy allo then I was playing a Vox. He was producing Andy. We put a band together behind Andy, and then I ended up starting to play back with NPG again. And uh, 
we were having a Christmas, not, you know, he doesn't celebrate Christmas, but we were having a gathering before Christmas break. And uh, I said, he, he was walking down the hall, and I said, Prince, what do you got planned for next year? Because Justin was about to start on January 1st. Here it was December 23rd or something like that. I said, what do you got planned for next year? He turned around and said to me, he said, you're asking me about next year. I haven't finished, fin- he said, I hadn't finished figuring out today yet. <laughs> and he walked away. And I said, well, okay, well, I got stuff to do next year. He said, go do what you got to do. And I uh, went and started with Justin. Then I get a call on the 3rd of, of January that Prince wanted us to co- reconvene to start rehearsing to, uh, for some tour dates. But I had already started with Justin. So, right. And uh, as Chris James will tell you, I, I was talking to Chris one time at Paisley, and Prince took his phone, and he said, we don't talk to traitors. <laughs> he hung up the phone. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But but um Kirk did call me when uh let's see. Kirk called me when he was doing Judith. He said, Prince, why don't you come out and play guitar with Judith? So I guess we we were cool then. But um it you know, it didn't happen, it didn't pan out. But uh but at least I got the call back, so that let me know we're still cool. <laughs> you know. You got traded yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh see, man. that's amazing cuz Adrian Crutchfield uh they were taking a break one time and he's like, "Man, I'm trying to make my own album, you know, and I want to play with Prince even though we don't know when we're playing, but he's like Bette Midler's touring and she wants to pay me a lot of money." And like he hit up uh, the person at the time in charge was like trying to hit a prince. Hey, you gonna be doing anything in the next three months or whatever? I kind of need to know by Monday. And then he's like, "No, no, everything's good." And then he just committed to Bet Midler. And then of course you get the call. Hey, uh, yeah, we're gonna be doing something. He's like, "Man, I just committed. I can't do it no more." And it's funny because at the time, Adrian will even tell you that. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good, a stable paycheck. I'm no one. I know what I'm gonna be on. I know what I'm gonna be doing every night. Then you hit him up in the middle of the tour, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm missing the craziness of getting these calls and always having to have a suitcase packed because you don't know where the heck you're gonna be. But, yep. <laughs> and then in the middle of it, in the middle of the tour, he wasn't too far away, and that's when Prince was playing the White House for the Obamas. And yeah. Adrian made sure to bring his sax and just meet up in Washington and he got to play at the White House gig because of that. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just wonder yeah. how many times that happens where you're like, oh, I want to know what you're going to do. And then poof, you're booked. Yeah, well, I was, uh, there was another time that I was out of the band. I think after my mom passed, I was in uh, D.C. doing something. Um, with uh, um, I had a session in D.C. and Prince was playing a concert in D.C. and I called uh, that at that time. I believe Trevor Allen was still with him, and I said, "Trevor, tell Prince I want to come through and jam tonight." And he said, "Okay." And then he hit me back, and said, "Yeah." He said, "Come through," and I and all of a sudden I was back in the band again. So <laughs> I jammed with them that night and. Uh, you know, I was back in the band again. So it would happen like that. It would happen like that a lot. When, matter of fact, when I first got in the band, when Kirk invited me out to audition with them, 
I almost didn't go because I had a gig that night uh, at Bunkers paying like 150 bucks or something. And I said, oh, man, Kirk, I can't go because I got to play tonight. He said, all right. I said, what about tomorrow? He said, man, this is one of them opportunities, brother. He said, it ain't going to be there tomorrow. It's the day only. And I said, oh, this, I'm sorry, man. Because I knew the gig was at nine. It was almost seven. I I knew the guy couldn't find a replacement. But then I got off the phone. And I was like, wait, what the heck am I doing? I'm about to pass up an opportunity to jam with Prince to go make, do a $150 gig. So I called the guy. I said, man, I can't make it tonight. I got to go go out to him. He was pissed. But uh, I went out and jammed with them that night. It was like a Wednesday. We rehearsed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Got on a tour bus on Saturday. And I, I, I didn't know I was in the band. He never said I was in the band. I just, it, it just, I was just on a tour bus. And next thing I knew, I, you know, here we are years later. I'm still with, with him, you know. But we never actually, just, we never discussed it. He never said, okay, you're in the band. This is what your salary is going to be. They just uh, started talking about dates. And, of course, the first date was in my hometown of uh, Washington, D.C. So that was amazing. You know, to come come back to my hometown and I'm playing with freaking Prince, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a good a good day for me that day. Now, but yeah, yes. Uh, and I guess that was uh, I don't remember what that tour was called because it was some little short promo tour, and then he started. Uh, let's see, it had to be the it was around Emancipation. We were doing. Um, just some promo dates. Love and then we went charity dates, then the jam of the year tour. Yes, exactly. Jam of the year. Yes. You look, man, I've been playing, you know, I've been playing the guitar since I was about 11 and I've been playing professionally since I was about 13. And I just, uh, I've, I've played with so many people. I, uh, unfortunately, most of it's a big blur, you know, of uh, gigs and tours and, cities and i just uh you know the details never really mattered to me because i just had to go whichever way the tour bus was pointing or whatever that plane ticket said that's where i had to go so it didn't really matter to me you know what i'm saying right. it didn't, didn't really matter what city we were in or what uh venue we just played because it was night after night justin's last tour was 200 and something concerts and the one before that uh future sex was we were out for two years and man it's just uh yeah, that's that's a long time to be on the road. And Prince would go out, you know, we he'd go out for three, four months. Mm-hmm. We'd take a break, go out, you know, three, four months, take a break. Justin goes out, man, and we're out. Um, his tour starts end of March, and we're going to be out until March of next year. Uh, and then uh, I'm sure more dates will come out or come up in that time. But uh so yeah, my, the point I'm making, I just, I've been doing this so long. That's why I'm surprised you remember all those those gigs. I'm like, damn, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that too. That's crazy. I try, I try on that. Yeah. Now, the day, the night that you got that you play with him, that you asked to jam, you brought his guitar. You brought your guitar, right? Yeah, and Cat Dyson was playing. It was Cat, yeah. Rhonda, Kirk, yeah. and Morris. I remember one time. There was this one female guitarist who I've interviewed before, but I'm not going to say her name, that Prince originally wanted in Third Eye Girl. So he was doing a show in L.A. and invited her to the after show. And then she came and he goes, where's your guitar? She's like, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to bring it. So that may be one of the reasons why she didn't get that gig. Yeah. <laughs> not bringing yes. her guitar that night. 
So yep. good you brought it. Yes, I did. I, I man, I the, they set up an amp for me. I bought my pedals, and like I said, Cat Dyson was playing that night, and we jammed. We jammed for a few hours, um, and he was he was really happy, and I was happy that he was happy. Um, but Prince, Prince, like I said, he will ride. He rides you, and pushes you to greatness. And you think he's just being hard on you, but he was just, he knew that you had more potential. Cause man, he used to ride me a lot. And Hans Buff was the the, the, the studio tech there that uh, at that time when I first got there. And one day he had, uh, just got through riding me about something. And he, I was in the studio cutting and I came in and Prince left and Hans was like, man, Prince loves you, man. He said he's going. He goes crazy when you're playing. He's he says you're the funkiest guitar player in the world, and he just loves your playing. And I'm like, why is he always up my butt then? <laughs> you know. But then I got it. Years later, I got it because he was just trying to get me to be a, the best musician I could be. But um, I was happy to hear Hans say that. He said, man, that dude, he can't stop talking about you, man. He, you're in there laying parts, and he's in there going, man, Mike Scott is funk. Just to that. That's the funkiest dude in the world. <laughs> okay, okay. I was happy to have Hans tell me that because I really, I, I used to not be sure, you know, because he was always hollering at me about something. <laughs> but once I figured out what Prince wanted me to do, we got along just fine because I, I, I stayed in my lane. I only played what he wanted me to play, and we got along fine after that. It was just getting to that point. Right, which was tough. Yeah, I guess because when he would put the guitar down, he'd want he'd want to sound as though he was still playing. He'd want to feel like he want the funk to still feel like he was still playing. So um, that that was uh, the combination of what I learned in Minneapolis playing with all those bands and the style that I had when I lived, grew up in Washington D.C. It was a nice. It was a the the combination of the elements allowed me to have a lot of success in Minneapolis. Um, playing with like I played with damn near every band in in Minneapolis. I played with the Steels, the Stud Brothers, uh, Ipso Facto, um, Sounds of Blackness. I've you know I've sat in with Men Condition. Man, I tried to play with every band. <laughs> a combo. I played with the combo a million times, man. And, you know, I remember the first time I jammed with the combo. It was a funny story because I was playing with some band that came to Minneapolis. I'm sure you've seen the combo a million times with Michael Bland and Sonny T playing. Yes. <laughs> uh, the first time we went to, uh, they took me to see him, see them back in 92. The guys that bought me, they were like, man, uh, I said, man, I want to jam with them. And, uh because they funky. And the guy said, man, they don't let nobody sit in. Yeah, they ain't going to let you sit in. So Michael, they took a break, and I went right to Michael Bland. I said, man, y'all so funky, man. I said, I'm going to get them jam. And Bland was like, okay, brother. You that confident. Come on up there then. Boy, I got up there and jammed about three songs with them, man. And it was, like, amazing. Because they they the funkiest mugs on the planet, the, the combo is. And... Uh, I got off stage, the band, the guys I was with, they're like, man, how did you get up there? How they let they don't let anybody jam with them? I said, I don't know, man. They just playing funk. How could you not jam with them? It's just funk. Just funky. Just be funky. And you know that was Prince's middle name, Funky. Mm hmm It should it should have been his middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Funk Rogers. Or Prince yep. Nelson. Prince Funk Nelson. <laughs> now 
someone had a question. They want to know, did JT ever ask you to play your songs MPG style? Play Justin's songs MPG style? Um, never. The MD did have me do a little uh, mock-up of Purple Rain. The, you know, the intro to Purple Rain. We have a part that's sounds similar uh they wanted it purple rain style you know the guitar at the beginning uh you know this thing uh so they uh they had me do a similar strumming not the same chords but just a feel uh but um justin played in minneapolis the last tour and me and him just took a minute and we touched on a couple of Prince songs. I, I you know, I started playing. Uh, I played a little bit of Sexy MF, I think. And we might have played a little bit of Kiss or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And John Bream even wrote, he said, uh, Justin Timberlake concert was great. But he said the highlight of the night of the night is when him and Mike Scott started playing Prince songs. So that that was that was fun. Um, but no, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Bream's Bream's a Bream's a nice guy. They um they he doesn't incorporate um, I mean you know he doesn't uh, request me to do Prince style stuff, but I do add in. I do add it in whenever I get a chance because I play with Prince. Yeah, yeah. I play with Prince so long. I I throw some chicken grease in there in a minute. Yep. You know, chicken grease. <laughs> <laughs> now. Someone asked this question, and I could never answer it. So if you can't answer it, they want to know what your favorite Prince album is. Huh. I honestly have to say there were two. Um, Paisley Park was one of my favorite favorites. And um, the Exodus album was really good. I really used to play the Exodus album a lot. And then there was also the Come album. I used to play that a lot. Um, so uh, you don't, you told me to name one, I named three. <laughs> there you go. Around the World in a Day, The Exodus Has yeah. Begun, and Come. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 Thank God. Oh, that's it. Said, right. Around the World in a Day. That was the name of the album. My bad. No problem. Hey, don't we, you like, hey. Doctor, you like don't be don't be quoting no mess incorrectly, man. You gonna quote it quote correct. Oh, <laughs> people will hit me up on Twitter if we get it wrong. So you know, yeah, around the world in the day, that was that was that was quite. Uh, uh, I thought that album was amazing, man. Just you know, some of the songs on there were just so great, and Exodus was just funky because you know. Uh, he was trying to do that different thing, and Sonny was singing a lot of the stuff. And uh, right, you know that that band, that MPG band, was just you know, Tommy Morris, you know Damon. Matter of fact, I just saw them. They just played uh, Big Tony and all of them. They just played the Hornheads. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they were killing. I want them to add more songs from Exodus. I want to hear the Good Life. The Good Life's yeah. the jam, man. Yeah, good life is a jam. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. What do you have coming up with Justin aside from this? You know, small thing tomorrow called the Super Bowl. What else uh, do you have going on? We go straight back to New Jersey. 
back to uh, tour rehearsals. We'll be in rehearsal um, for the next month or so, and then his tour kicks off. Um, like I said, sometime late March, I believe, we start doing dates. Uh, late March, early April. And uh, we'll be out, you know, doing the Man in the Woods um, um, new material along with his other hits. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. That's all I got planned for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's my plan. For the year. When you yeah. guys are playing yeah. in L.A., I got to go. Yeah. You know what? And and people always hit me to get them tickets in L.A. And I always tell people, you know, that's the worst town yeah. to get tickets because all the artists end up giving giving tickets to their A-list friends. So mm. just don't even don't even ask me. <laughs> go to Anaheim or go to the Bay Area. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go to Anaheim go to or go to the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but if you ever do want to come, man, um, let me know because they, they gave us we do have a friends and family. uh discount uh website where we can buy tickets for friends and family yeah. and uh if you if you can't get into a concert because it's sold out just hit me up and i i'll send you the website definitely mike appreciate it yeah. now yeah. aside from this tour i gotta let you go because you gotta get your beauty sleep i know it's getting a little bit late over there in minnesota yes it is, now, yes, it is. goals what other goals do you have? I mean, you played with an iconic musician. You played, you're playing with one of the most popular musicians of this era right now. What other goals do you have? You know, um, I uh, actually have uh, some solo stuff that I've done, uh, some guitar stuff. I do a lot of producing for other artists. Uh, as I said, my wife Rachel and I have an artist called Unix that we produce and. Uh, I just do production on a bunch of people. Nobody, you know, nobody has a record deal or anything yet. But, I, and I've done uh, several albums of my own that is just it's just guitar funky stuff. I never even got to let Prince hear. I don't think I let him hear anything. I remember John let him hear some of his music, and he he actually took the CD out and threw it out the window <laughs> of the limo. <laughs> it was like really bad so i never i said i'm not even gonna play him my stuff i'm, I'm sure he would have dug it though but i just didn't uh i didn't even um attempt to let him hear it so uh, my you know that's what i do in my spare time i sit at home and produce and write and um you know try to uh, uh you know keep the tools of my trade nice and sharp you know i understand well, Mike, I want to thank you so much the night before the Super Bowl and taking time to talk to us. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, for checking us out on Stitcher, for subscribing on YouTube. Share with your friends. Much love. Mike, thanks again for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Dr. Fong, thank you for having me, bro. I, I, I appreciate you taking some time because Chris James kept telling me I needed to holler at you. And we've just been so crazy this week because we've been we've been running the Super Bowl thing. We got they set up the stage. We were, we run the show. They tear it down. They set it back up. They run the show. They tear it down. They set it back up, run the show. They tear it down. So because, you know, it's, it's, they got nine minutes to set it up. We got 12 minutes to play it. They got nine minutes to get that crap off the field. So. So it's uh we've been running it every day. So I'm glad we got to talk, man. And I appreciate you wanting to have me for an interview uh, for a guest. I appreciate that. Um, thanks a lot, Chris James. Thanks as well. Much love, everyone. Till next time. Keep it funky. <laughs>